Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Ninth State Sports Show Field Hockey Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina, and joining me once again, Sauhegan Field Hockey Coach and AD, Kelly Braley. Kelly, how are you doing today? I'm great, Joe. How are you? Hanging in there. Enjoying, uh, <laughs> enjoying a nice fall uh, October Sunday. Uh, you know, it's a little breezy, but um, it, it feels good to have that chill in the air. Yeah, it's a beautiful weekend, and it just smells like playoffs are coming. It does. Uh, well, I uh, want to remind everyone that um, you can send questions and feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. And give us a follow on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at NHHS Sports. The Field Hockey Show will be posted every Monday at nh-highschoolsports.com. All right. Uh, I think we got a lot to get to this week uh, because there's been some, uh, some interesting stuff that's been happening around the field hockey world uh, in the last week. And uh, I want to start with um, in Division One with a team that I think when we did this two weeks ago, we said, well, you know who a team we, we really haven't talked about much this year, but we're going to find out a lot about in the next two weeks, uh, and that's Winnicott. We're, we're through those two weeks, and uh, wow, um, they haven't lost since we said that, and going back even before then. Uh, and they they did it kind of in, in exciting fashion. I think th three of those four wins were what, in overtime, or maybe all four of them. Uh, but they just kind of cleaned house in, in Division One over the last week, getting wins over, um, you know, Wyndham, Exeter, Dover, and then last Friday against Concord. Yeah, Winnicott emphasis on the win. I mean, they are just they're just they went through their their gauntlet two weeks and cleaned house. I mean. Whether you're getting that done in regulation or overtime, I mean, all four of those games were against, the, you know, some top teams in D1, all one-goal games. And, you know, that says to me about about Winnicunit that, you know, doesn't matter how deep they have to go into games, they're in it until the end, and they're going to find a way to grind it out. Yeah, and the, and even their one loss uh, going back to, to that game against Bedford, um, you know, about a month ago, yeah, that was another one-goal game. Uh, and then you look at what they've done against, you know, kind of the, the rest of the division. Um, you know, they, they've taken care of business pretty convincingly against everyone else. So, I mean, it's not just that they're able to win these big games, uh, you know, these tight contests. They're, they're taking, you know, they're, they're putting other teams away, too, um, which I think, I think that's a sign of, of a team that, that's pretty – it's got everything together. They're pretty solid. They know what they're doing. They're focused on what they're doing. Uh, I think that's a pretty good sign. Would, would you agree? Yeah, decisive wins when they should be decisive wins. Um, and then able to grind out those those tight ones is, I mean, it's just, it's awesome to see. And, and you know, hats off to Winnicunit for, for taking care of business. They've definitely proven that they are a force to be reckoned with and, and should not be overlooked. They got a, a, a three-game week. Um, this week with uh, home games against Salem and then Bishop Girton on Wednesday, which, um, you know, could be a, another tough one. I know, um, you know, BG has had some tough games against some of the top teams in the division, uh, but they're kind of right in the mix as well. Uh, you know, and then a, a trip on uh, on Friday night to uh, Manchester to face Central West. And then they've also got a trip to Keene left uh, to end the regular season. So maybe not um, – you know, obviously the caliber of, of teams that they just went through, but still a couple road trips that uh, could be interesting. Down yeah, the not teams, not teams that you can sleep on 
you know, by any stretch of the imagination, especially with, you know, BG and Keen, who are a couple other, you know, gritty teams who, you know, will, will make things tough for you. So um, I don't think, you know, they can sleep on those or, you know, really or Salem, Manchester West um, either, you know, um, not time to, not time to rest on your laurels, but, you know, time to gear up for the end of the season and, make sure that what should be a decisive victory is. You know, it, it looks like, um, you know, those those teams that are up there right now, Winnicott, Wyndham, Exeter. I, I, first off, I should you know, mention, too, Division One has the five teams, uh, top five teams getting a bye uh, in that for, into the quarterfinals uh, with 11 teams going in. So I think those three, Win, Winnicott, Wyndham, and Exeter, pretty good shape. I, I would maybe probably throw Bedford in that category, too, although – you know, with a, a second loss on there, um, you know, that the potential's open there. And then they have a tough game tomorrow with Wyndham, uh, although that game is at Bedford, um, which I, I would think certainly uh, is in their favor a little bit. Um, but it looks like at least those top three are, are in pretty good shape to get the buys. And then you've got, um, you know, Dover, Bishop Girton, and Concord that are all kind of sitting around that five through um, – seven spots that uh, any one of those teams I think could move up or down in the next two weeks and, and, and grab that fifth, uh, fifth buy, or maybe even two of them move past Bedford and, and, and get into those spots. Yeah. I think as we get closer, that Bedford BG game becomes a little weightier. Um, you know, BG still got when it kind of, and Bedford, like we talked about on their schedule, they also have to go to Pinkerton, I think, which is still, um, a team that's definitely been up and down through the season, but, you know, as we head into the stretch here, you know, who knows what they'll, you know, what problem they could pose as well. So, um, you know, I don't think it's going to be easy to lock up that fifth spot um, with the teams that are in the mix. So uh, everyone counts for sure. Yeah. I got, I got a chance to see, um, you know, Pinkerton play Dover on Wednesday last week. And, uh, you know, looking at that, it's a, it was a one nothing Dover win where I mean, Pinkerton had opportunities. They just it, it it just felt like they would get to a point, and as they were you know they'd kind of get towards the circle, and you know maybe the ball would go in, and it was just maybe a little too far out in front, or maybe it wasn't hard enough, and would would was get uh, the defense was getting back. It just it, they hung with Dover, and looking at some of their scores, it looks like they're doing that with with everybody aside from those teams way at the top. Um, they just. It, it, it seems like they're having a really hard time finishing. And then on the other end, um, you know, their goalie, um, Elise LeBlanc, I, I thought she was fantastic in that game. Um, you know, they had her with 18 saves uh, and, and kept Pinkerton in it. Um, and really the, the goal that, that, that Dover scored on was, was a, a, you know, a phenomenal looking goal. I, it was, it was exciting to kind of watch, you know, it, it came on, um, on a corner where, uh, Dover sent the ball in. Le, uh, LeBlanc got a piece of it, and it popped up in the air. Um, and Ryland Gray of Dover is standing right there next to her, and she somehow like managed to bat the ball down right in front of her, not hit it with her feet, and then knock it in before anybody else had a chance to react. It was a, a fantastic goal. Um, but I mean, that's how that's what Dover needed in order to win that game. Yeah, and that's a tough. That was a tough kind of comeback game too for Pinkerton. You know, they had just had the last three on the road, 
um, at Winnicunit, which you know is going to be tough seeing what they've done. At Salem was kind of a, I think maybe a little bit of a wonky loss for Pinkerton there, but, you know, kudos to Salem for, you know, snapping a losing streak and picking up that win there. Um, and then on the road with Londonderry, which was another hard, hard fought, you know, two, one battle. Yeah. Um, so coming home and, you know, hearing you say, you know, maybe they were putting the ball out a little bit too much in front, you know, that makes sense. You spend three games on the road on grass where you have to put a little bit more power on the ball. Then, then to come back on your home turf, you know, maybe a little bit of a reacclimation to to the speed of that game. Yeah, uh, and yeah, like you said, and um, that Londonary game too. I, I um, was at that one, and they had nine corners, I think, in that third quarter of that game, um, and were unable to to get on the board. So yeah, just they, they're whatever that little final uh, piece is. It just seems to be eluding them uh, in some of those games, some of those close games. Um, but you know, looking at the looking at the standings again, we're, you know, as we kind of move down here, there's you get past that group that we just mentioned um, to start, and then you've got another group of a clump of five teams that are all kind of uh, they either have six wins or six losses, um, and of those five teams, only four of them are going to get in. So that's Keene, uh, Central West, Londonderry, Pinkerton, and Timberlane, all kind of right in that that. Uh, mix right there for for the final playoff spots someone's going to get left out and what's also kind of neat too is that they're going to play a lot of each other um you know coming up over the final you know two weeks here to determine those spots i mean you've got keen has uh, or excuse me pinkerton has keen and central west on its schedule um you know central west plays timberlane who's also got i believe um oh, actually that's <laughs> sorry that's the only one for timberlane but then londonderry has um you know, has Keen coming up, so they're all they're all kind of going to determine this these spots against each other, which is kind of like its own little playoff within you know the regular season. Yeah, and and like you said, one of those teams is going to get left out. So um, I imagine you know that stuff, those games getting a little more contentious and and exciting, and um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out in the end with only a couple weeks left and. I think both of the teams seem like they have, you know, at least five games left. Londonderry maybe only has four left. So that means yeah. one of those weeks is going to be a three-game week, which this late in the season can really feel like a slog. Um, so uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see who comes out on top. Crazy to think that, that yeah, in, in two weeks we're going to be doing a, a playoff, you know, talking about playoff previews and, and all that stuff. Yeah, it's wild. It feels like preseason was just two weeks ago. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, any other anything else on, in Division One that kind of stood out to you this week or or surprised you? No, I mean, I really the the big thing for me was Winnicott just yeah. just absolutely taking care of business. And it seemed like, um, you know, look, just you know, seeing the results from that too. Um, was Abby Wilbur kind of really stepping up for them? And um, I, it, from what it sounded like, scoring some really big goals, whether it was tying goals to force overtime or goals in overtime to win it. Um, and and I, I mean, if you were going to tell me that someone was stepping up for Winnicott, I that'd probably be my first guess. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great when you're when your big players, the ones that you lean to, um, you know, produce um, in the in the moments that matter. So, you know, great great for Abby. 
So um, I, there was a pretty big game in Division Two last Tuesday. Uh, I'm not sure if you knew about that. Um, there was. <laughs> Um, and, and it's and last it's, week, last week was a crazy week for us. So Tuesday feels like a month ago, I but know, it, yeah, it was a great game. It was it, a really great it game. It was. I, and, and what's even uh, kind of more exciting was, was the other, other games that I went to last week. Uh, I had people asking me about it. Um, oh, that's you know, awesome. was it, was it, you know, cause I, I, I was able to get some, some, uh, video highlights from that. Um, you know, those are up on, on the YouTube page and on nh-highschoolsports.com. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to check those out, you can. Um, I, of course, missed the first goal of the game, which I, I seem to always do with you guys, I feel like, um, <laughs> because I'm just I, I'm, I'm shooting and shooting, and then I'm like, you know what, I'm going to take some pictures right now, and then all of a sudden you, you, you score a goal, and, and then I'm kicking myself. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I had a couple people ask if that game looked – as good live as it did, you know, in, uh, on some of the videos that are out there. And I, I, I have to say, yeah, that was one of the, one of the best, um, one more well-played games. Um, I feel like I've seen in, in, in a good while that wasn't a, wasn't a playoff game, I guess I should say. Uh, yeah, it was, I mean, all, all, you know, I'll put my black and gold down for sure, but it was an absolutely beautiful game to watch and to be a part of. Um, you know, both sides really skilled, really quick, played with the intensity that that game, you know, should have been played with, um, with a ton of, you know, mutual respect on both sides of the ball, a lot of intensity, a lot of great plays. It was, it was a great Tuesday night. And then, you know, so he comes out on top. So I'm happy as a clam. And I, I felt... <laughs> I kind of was starting to feel too, like we were, like it was destined for overtime. Um, you know, they, Portsmouth did such a, a good job. I think, you know, you guys, Sauhegan had opportunities, but it was just, you know, something with, again, same kind of thing I guess I was talking about with Pinkerton. It was There was just something that, that came up every time that it looked like you were going to get close. And then it really took a, a kind of a, a, a I don't want to, I don't want to say fluky, but, uh, slower kind of shot from from Ella Barrett to to really to get you guys that goal. Yeah, an off speed, just like an off speed odd tip off of a rebound. Um, that I know Ella was thinking, you know, she was kind of anticipating a rebound coming back to her, so kind of positioning herself to be able to finish it maybe off that rebound. But you know, it trickled in from behind. But I think. Um, I think, you know, at least from the coaching perspective, that thing that was missing for us and the, get, you know, getting it done a little bit, you know, with less than, <laughs> with maybe more than a minute and 11 left on the clock was, um, you know, just, just putting more shots on cage um, and, you know, not looking, not looking necessarily for the perfect shot, but getting it on there. And then, you know, to have Ella score that game winner in that fashion uh, was, was great. Um, and, you know, full credit to Portsmouth, they, you know, they did what they do best, which is counterattack quickly, get balls in the circle and draw corners. So that was the first game this season that we had, um, we had been out cornered, I guess. Uh, they had, they had six, I think, to our four. Um, and a couple of them came at a at really scary moment to the game. Um, you know, most notably with time expiring right. Um, right. in the fourth quarter. And then, you know, again, in the third. So um, a couple of really, really scary opportunities for them to tie it up and send it to overtime. And I'd be lying if I didn't say I wasn't, you know, kind of planning for what that would look like. 
But, um, you know, Andy Raduazzo, our goalie, held up super strong, and our D did a great job clearing out. So we were able to hang on. Yeah, that the what you mentioned there, the the one at the end of the third quarter, um, I thought, I mean, as much as you're you're worried about, you know, you don't want to give up the tying goal with no time left. Um, but the one in the third quarter, there was just the timing of it because I feel like for a few minutes before that, everything had been shifted down to the other end of the field. And that corner kind of came on a rush going the other yeah. way where, you know, everybody's kind of scrambling, trying to get back. Momentum is, is kind of maybe swinging a little bit there. And then all of a sudden, you know, Portsmouth's got a, a little bit to go off of there as, you know, with the quarter coming to an end. So that one I felt like was really dangerous. But the, and, and, of course, ones at the end of the game are always are. But, you know, tough tough for Portsmouth there two games in a row. You know, they the loss to John Stark, too. They had a corner to end the game that would have tied it. Um, same thing uh, on, on Tuesday. And then, uh, and then a, a tough loss on the road at Kennett, um, you know, after that. So a tough stretch here. You know, thankfully for Portsmouth, they got a couple games to try to try to rebound uh, before the end of the season here. Uh, but even those, um, you know, those are those look like tough ones. I mean, Oyster River imagines a bit of a, a rivalry there um, on the seacoast and then having to go to Goffstown, um, you know, on Friday. Um and then Kingswood to finish out the year. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Kennett, the Kennett Portsmouth result definitely caught me by surprise, I think. But I also think that that's just because Kennett is, <laughs> Kennett's always so much of an unknown. Right. Um, because their, you know, proximity is so far away and they play a decent number of games out of division. Um, so, you know, I, you know, I, I never really feel like I have a great handle on them, but somehow Kennett is always, in the top half of the of the playoff hunt so obviously they're doing something right up there um and they're and they're you know making deep deep runs into the playoffs most of the time as well yeah. so like luckily for Portsmouth you know they've punched their ticket to the playoffs so you know they can use these last three games to reset and you know I can I can take it for me <laughs> just because you beat Portsmouth in the regular season does not mean you're going to get them come playoff time that team no. knows how to win. They know how to go to the distance. So, um, you know, I expect them to to make another deep playoff run as well. So this Tuesday, another uh, another big game over in Amherst. You, uh, Sauhegan, you, you get um, John Stark coming in. Uh, yeah. With both teams at ten and zero. Um, I was trying to remember. You know, not that I'm a, I'm I would can ever consider myself any kind of field hockey historian uh, in New Hampshire, at least going back beyond a couple of years. Um, but I mean, I can't think of many times that, and maybe in any sports even too, where two teams have had double digit wins and been undefeated this late into the year going into a game. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I was actually trying to think about that and I know, you know, we've been into some, some, some standings battles, you know, most recently with teams like Portsmouth and Hanover and, and Lab. Um, and now, you know, start coming off, you know, last year being their most successful season in program history. And, you know, they've definitely upped the ante for themselves this year and, and have raised the bar. Um, I think without question, this is, you know, going to go down as their most successful season to date. So, yeah, Tuesday is Tuesday is a big Tuesday's got some big implications, yeah. especially with the number of teams um, in Division two now. Um, only the top two get a bye. 
Um, so, you know, this is, this is a, a weighty one for sure. Top two get the bye. Um, although the, both of you with, with you know, Kennett and Hollis Brookline behind it with two losses, uh, you'd have to, someone would probably have to slip up again after whoever, whoever doesn't win on Tuesday would have to slip up again. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, looking at, you know, just looking at it on, on paper, um, I, I would think maybe more of a matchup where the teams are, are more identical to each other um, in a sense, just in terms of, of type of, of player, if that makes sense. Like the, the yep. Stark maybe has a little bit, has maybe has some of the speed that you, that Sauhegan has, whereas as Portsmouth may be not as much. Yeah, um, Stark is definitely scary speed-wise, um, and defensively, I mean, they've just been super strong. I think even now they only have three goals on the season yeah. uh, allowed, Yeah. Um, which is you know, which is a, a staggering number considering you know some of the some of the teams that they've that they've faced. So um, you know, so he can definitely we're going to have to find a way to to break through that wall and put some balls in the net because one thing I know is true, you can't win if you don't score. So <laughs> we we got to make sure we score, um, and then and then you know hold them off with the speed. And I I think we talked about it last week too. I think. Um, one place that we do differ a bit is, is experience. Um, you know, I have, I think a, a slightly more veteran team, um, and the generals are a bit younger, which, um, so far has played to their strength. I mean, these girls have, you know, all of the promise in the world and, a, and some great skill and a ton of speed and they're executing really well. So, um, you know, we'll be, we'll be on the lookout for young players like Kaylin Worthen. Um, and Lauren Gavon, um, and Addie Bulldock. Um, and then, you know, they've got some, some veteran players too. So, you know, we've, we've got the, we've got some numbers to watch and I'm sure that they have plenty of numbers of ours to watch too. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the other, uh, the other big game, or I guess sneaky big game, um, cause I really didn't think about it until I was looking at the, the standings earlier today, um, coming up this week, actually coming up on Monday, you've got, um, Hollis Brookline going to Dairy Field. Uh, both teams again uh, in that top uh, four. Uh, excuse me, yeah, four to like six range. Um, you know, Hollis at seven and two, Dairy Field at seven and three. Um, you know, and both have been been pretty hot as of late. Uh, Hollis with uh, uh, having won this, their last six in a row. Sorry, I, why did that come out so hard? Six games in a row. <laughs> And uh, yeah. Dairyfield, um, you know, with outside of that one nothing loss to Hanover last week, um, you know, they had won, had a nice stretch there where they'd won three out of five. Uh, and overall, they've won six out of their last, or excuse me, yeah, six out of their last eight. That's why I don't do yeah. math. I can't do math on that while we're recording. Numbers are hard, Joe. Yes, Numbers are. are hard. That's why I stick to words. <laughs> That's right. No, and and Dairyfield's been scoring a lot more goals in this latter half of the season than I think yeah. they were in the beginning. So, you know, they found ways to click, and and they are, you know, they Dairyfield continues to be really deadly inside the circle, um, withdrawing corners. You know, they've got great shots, and you know their their plays are well timed. Um, so, and Hollis has some good speed um, in the midfield as well. So, I think that's going to be a that's going to be a really good battle to kind of round out that middle part of the of the 
uh, standings to see, you know, who falls, who falls where. I think that'll be a pretty decisive, like a, that'll be a game with big implications. Yeah. I mean, for, for Hollis, um, like we were saying with, with only two losses, you know, a win in that game maybe keeps them, gives them an outside shot still at one of those buys. Um, you know, if, if again, whoever from John Stark and South Egan loses on Tuesday, um, happens to have another loss the rest of the way, it could, could open the door. Well, actually, no, I take that back because there's tiebreakers that would right. come into effect. See, this is why I don't do these, shouldn't do these things. On, hey, that's on all right. Recording. That's um, all right. But I mean, it definitely, it definitely will make, you know, once you get deeper in the playoffs, those, those um, quarterfinal and semifinal matchups, right. like really interesting. I don't think if anybody had sat down with a pen and a paper um, in the beginning of the season, it, it might've been this confusing in d2 but it's also kind of what makes it really fun um, because teams are teams are surprising are surprising us and everyone watching and it you know it makes it a whole lot more interesting and exciting well if anyone is really confused i will do my best tonight to have the playoff uh picture ready to go monday uh asap um I may not be able to do these live, or, or I shouldn't say live, but while we're recording. But if I have a little bit of time, I can figure some of them out. So hopefully tomorrow morning we'll have some stuff up there on the website to to go over and, and kind of see what the breakdown is, at least uh, going into this week. Yeah. Um, you know, in uh, in Division Three, uh, it, it's kind of, you know, I think when I, in my email, what did I say that it's kind of, it's Guilford's up there at the top. And then it, it feels like everyone else is just beating up on each other. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. you got Guilford who's still undefeated at 10 and 0 and then everyone below them has two losses or more. And, you know, within that, I'm, you know, I'm looking up, you know, the schedules here and you've got, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about, you know, Newport beating Messenic. Well, uh, Messenic turned around and, 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 you know, handed Newport a loss uh, last week and then you've got um, them turn Messenic then turn around and go into Conant losing to Conant after they had beaten them earlier this year um, mm -hmm. just I, I kind of like who's going to be the last team standing to try to get um, you know one of those other tops top seeds up there along with Guilford yeah and the way that Guilford's the rest of Guilford's schedule is looking I mean I don't think any team wants to say like they've got it. They've got it, uh, you know, kind of easy for the rest of the season. I don't think that that's necessarily true by any stretch, but I don't think it's a bad way for Guilford to finish out. I mean, I think Messenic is probably the game on their schedule that they're looking at the most. Um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that's going to be their senior night as well. So, you know, some high emotions there in that game. And, and I think that that'll be, Interesting if, if, you know, Messina can pull out a win there, you know, that'll be huge for them standings wise, I think, but you know, I, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't want to say Guilford seems like they're going to have the top spot locked, but Guilford seems like, you know, they're it's in a good close, spot yeah. to finish out the year, uh, you know, not with, without too much movement. Yeah, I mean that—that's definitely their their toughest game to end the year. But getting that at home, um, yeah, that makes a huge difference. Just pulled it up real quick. The because um, I was curious, the drive from Messenic to Guilford is about an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not not a fun. I can't imagine that's a fun bus ride. Uh, either way. No. <laughs> no, which is the interesting thing about D three as well is the the spacing of all of these teams. Um, right. 
you know, you've got a you've got a good number. I mean, there's what seventeen in the division. I think so. I 16, 17, but most of them play, you know, they don't see everyone. Um, you know, a lot of the teams have, you know, a home and away against, you know, three or four of the same opponents. So um, it definitely makes for a more interesting playoff seating, um, you know, whether you get a team that you've seen in the regular season or not, certainly spices thing up, <laughs> things up in the postseason. So, um, yeah, it, I think the, the, everyone else kind of in the middle of the pack beating each other up for those spots will be, you know, when the dust settles and we see where everybody lands, um, you know, I'll be curious to see who gets matched up with the team they've played before. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's very, you know, following D one, uh, in most sports, you've, you've got everybody playing everybody at some point or for the most part. I mean, I know there's some sports right. that, that that doesn't happen, but when you get to the playoffs, it's very rare that teams haven't played each other. But yeah, you get down into Division Two and Division Three in most sports, and it's uh, you know, it's it's you you go in saying I I mean this is what I think might happen, but who knows? Yeah, you don't really know, and I think that's just you know, the proximity of the schools and yeah, and you know, Lord knows everyone is having travel issues right now, so <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that it's. I think that it's definitely, you know, smart for them to be able to to build a schedule where they can give their teams full seasons without too much, you know, class time missed and and transportation issues. So that piece makes sense. And you know, D one schools are primarily in one part of the state, so yeah, you know, it makes it makes that a little bit easier. Well, uh, any other uh, any other thoughts on Division three uh, before we uh, wrap up for the week? No, I mean, it's just a matter of letting these games play out and seeing where everyone lands, I think. Yeah, and as, as I, we mentioned earlier, um, you know, one more week to go, or two more weeks to go in the regular season, and then, um, you know, in, in two weeks, we'll be doing a, a, a playoff preview podcast here, and uh, hard to believe we're already at that point. Um, you know, postseason starts on the 18th, which is, what, uh, 15 days away from when everybody's listening to this. Um, Wild. Really, yeah, just exciting and uh, <laughs> hard to believe we're already here, but really looking forward to see how this plays out down the stretch. For sure. October field hockey is the best. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Kelly, thanks again for uh, for joining me. My pleasure. This is Kelly Braley from uh, Sauhegan. She's the Sauhegan field hockey coach and AD. I'm Joe Marcellina. Thanks again for listening and enjoy this week's games.